1, Acts chapter number 1 tonight. Our theme verse for the year is Luke chapter 9, verse number 62. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And Lord willing, for the remainder of the year, we are going to press toward the mark in trying to finish up the book of Hebrews. We started that last year, and uh, we are working through that. I, I love the book of Hebrews. It, uh, if you are really going to study it, it takes time. And uh, we're going to press toward the mark to finish that while also bearing down on this theme, our 2023 theme, Hands to the Plow. And I personally believe that there is no better place to see the truth of that theme illustrated than in the book of Acts, throughout the entirety of the book of Acts for that matter. By the way, we're not going to study through the entirety of the book of Acts But uh, we're going to look at some examples and some illustrations in the book of Acts. We find the apostles, we find the members of these early churches persevering under the severest of persecution and oppression. And so what they were doing, they were doing this, they were keeping their hands to the plow. Because God had given them, God had left them here, God had given them a directive, He had given them a calling, He had given them a charge, He had given them a commission. We call it the Great Commission. We find it in Matthew 28, we find it in Mark 16, and we find it right here in Acts chapter number 1. I understand tonight that we are not apostles. I know that tonight, but we have been given the exact same commission. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. And as we think of hands to the plow tonight, I want us to look at this verse, really verses 8 through 10 tonight. And I want to think on this subject for the next few minutes that God gives us tonight. I want to preach to us on the subject, it's why He left us here. It's why He left us here. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. The Bible says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." So tonight I want to give us some truths from these verses and from a few other passages tonight. It's why He left us here. Listen, He didn't leave us here just to occupy skin. He left us here to do something. He didn't save us just to partake of that one benefit of salvation of to be able to go to heaven one day and not to have to go to hell. No, He saved us and He left us here for a reason. He saved us, and the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, he, we are His workmanship after salvation in verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians 2, really verses 1 through 9 of Ephesians 2. But we are His workmanship created, what? Unto good works. It's why He left us here. We have a job to do. And so I want us to see this tonight and hopefully encourage our hearts really just to, 
Man, keep our hands to the plow. We've been doing that. Some of you have been doing that all summer. You worked vacation Bible school. You went to camp and you've done things all summer and you're going to head right into Master Club and all the different ministries. You've been singing in the choir. Look, let me encourage you as we enter. We're not there yet, but we're close to fall, aren't we? Aren't you ready for fall? Tuesday it's supposed to be in the 70s. That's the high. Not just in the morning, but all day long. Okay, that, that excites me. I, 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 love, I like all the seasons, but I'm thankful when you start heading into that a little bit cooler. Listen, don't, don't, don't start slacking just because we're heading into a different season and even a different time of the year, even in our own church. Look, hands to the plow. Amen? And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight as we see some truths here in Acts chapter number 1. Lord, we love you tonight. We're grateful for the opportunity to be able to gather here once again tonight, to be able to be taught, to be helped, to be convicted maybe, to be challenged, to grow uh, from Your Word. Lord, I pray that You'd help us tonight. Lord, I I know to whom I speak tonight. These are folks who have, uh, even this summer, have had their hands to the plow. And Lord, I pray that You'd just help all of us to be encouraged tonight to continue and to keep our hands to the plow. You left us here for a reason, not not just to... live and endure, but Father, to be engaged and to be busy and to be working and have our hands to the plow. And so Lord, please help us with that tonight. Father, we do pray once again, Father, for those who are missing tonight, whether it be for sickness, we ask you to put your hand of healing on them, whether it's travel, we ask that you'd help them. We do pray that you'd help the snows even tomorrow as they come home. Lord, I pray that you help Brianna as she gets settled in there at school. And Lord, we pray for them tonight. And Father, others who may be just out of pocket tonight, Lord, we pray that you'd help them in the area in which they need help tonight. And we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you number one tonight. First of all, I want to give you three things that the believer has tonight. As we think about this truth, it's why he left us here. Number one tonight, I want us to see that the believer has a divine purpose. The believer has a divine purpose purpose and it's found in verse number 8. It's found in Matthew 28. By the way, it's found in the entirety of the scriptures but we find it specifically here in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. The believer has not just a purpose, we have a divine purpose. It's a purpose given to us from God Almighty. Notice what the Bible says again there in verse number 8. What is that purpose? What is that commission? What is that charge that God has given us? Jesus Christ, by the way, let's drop back. Let's don't miss the whole context. Let's drop back and read verses 1 through 7 if we could. It says to the, excuse me, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which He was taken up, after that He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanding them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith He, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now by the way, let me, let me ask this. Why had they not received the Holy Ghost yet? Because Christ was still here. Christ had not ascended yet. They still had Him in their presence. And we'll, we'll see this tonight, but in the book of John, He said, look, when I leave, God is going to send you a comforter. He's going to send one to be with you. So they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet, 
because Jesus Christ was still here. Verse 6, excuse me, not sick, 6, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Now, by the way, he doesn't rebuke them for this question, but he tells them what their commission is. He said, look, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but let me tell you what you're here for. It's not to, the, the kingdom is not going to be restored to Israel yet. That, that's, that's in the future. But hey, apostles, this is why you're here. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. A believer has a divine purpose twofold here. First of all, to be a witness. Secondly, to be a witness to the world. To be a witness to the world. To be a witness. By the way, notice what he says in verse number 8. Unto me. Unto me, not unto the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always speaks of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit always points people to Jesus Christ. He said, unto me. So, we are to be witnesses. That's our divine purpose to the world. And so, think about that. He says here, he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We've all heard the breakdown and different people break it down different ways. But here's the truth tonight. We have a divine purpose. It's why we are here, first of all, to be witnesses unto Jesus Christ. We're to tell others about Jesus Christ. But let me say this tonight. It starts at home. By the way, at home, in your home. Now, Jerusalem was their home city. Okay, so we could say it starts in Gates or it starts in Brownsville or Ripley or Jackson or Brighton or Stanton or Whiteville or wherever you may live tonight, Dyersburg. It starts in your hometown, but more specifically, it starts in your home. Why are we here? Why has God left us here? What has God saved us for? He has saved us to be witnesses. As a dad, as a husband, I'm to be a witness and it's supposed to start in my home. It's supposed to start with my wife and my children. I'm still flesh. I'm still dust. And so I am not perfect. We know that tonight. But I am to strive to be a good example to them. I am to strive to be a witness to them and to portray and manifest Jesus Christ, His character, His love, His his justice, His righteousness, His attributes that we've spoken about a little bit on Wednesday nights. I am to witness that to my family. It's supposed to start right there in the home. What a terrible thing to be a pastor and to tell others about Christ and to try to example that, try to example Christ to others and never do it at home. To be one way when I step into the church house and behind a pulpit and then when I go home, I'm totally different. What a tragedy. No, it's supposed to start in, in, in the home. He says, in Jerusalem. So it starts at home. It starts in that home right over there for me. At 52 Woodville Road, that's where it starts. But it doesn't just stay there. It's also to be in Gates. It's also to be in Brownsville. It's also to be in Ripley and all the other little uh, communities that we have in this area. And then it spreads out and some of you get to influence Jackson and some of you get to influence other areas in West Tennessee. He says Jerusalem, he says Judea, he says Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. So I am to influence home. I am to influence my community, my my neighborhood. I am to influence my place of work. 
that could be part of my Jerusalem. It could be part of Judea. Okay, I'm to influence, really it's supposed to spread to the state. One thing I, I pray the Lord will allow us to do, and I say allow us to do, I think maybe, maybe there's just hesitation and the Lord does want us to do it. But Lord, maybe the Lord would prod us and push us to start other churches in the state of Tennessee. Maybe even in West Tennessee. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. I can't go to all of America. Now, with our live stream, some people watch in different areas of the country. There's some people that watch um, different states. We have people, people, of course, that watch here in Tennessee. We have people in Arkansas occasionally. There, there's somebody, I have no idea, somebody in Utah that watches every now and then. There's people in Canada that watch every now and then. Um, so, so we can have some influence in that way, absolutely. But we send church planners. We support church planners to start churches. We support missionaries. And by the way, that's what a missionary is. He's a church planner to America and then to the uttermost part of the earth. We as believers have been given a divine purpose. By the way, that's why you ought to be involved in the mission program at Maranatha Baptist Church. That's why you ought to give to missions. Well, Pastor, I give, I give my tithe. That's great. But the Bible says tithes and offerings. And that's why all of us ought to have a part in the mission program. Because when we do that, then we are doing at least, we're probably not doing everything we should, but we're at least doing in small part, we're doing what we're supposed to do to fulfill the entirety of the Great Commission. And the entirety of the Great Commission is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So first of all tonight, the believer has a divine purpose to be a witness to the world. To be a witness to the world. By the way, let me say this, that's why we're very selective on the missionaries that we support and that we send because we want to make sure that their witness is right. We want to make sure they're giving the gospel properly and clearly. We want to make sure that their witness is right. And so we've been given a divine purpose to be a witness and to be a witness to the world. It is dependent upon us sending missionaries and supporting missionaries if we're going to fulfill the entirety of the Great Commission. We have been given a divine purpose to be a witness to the world, to be a witness to the world, and we can't take our hands off the plow when it comes to that. It's every day. It's every day to be a witness to the world. Maybe some days, moms, it's just being a witness in your home. There may be days, moms, you never get out of your home. And it's just being a witness to those kiddos in that home. Well, that's what God has called you to do. It's not a day to take off. Well, I'm not going to go outside today. I'm not going to see anybody today. So I can take it easy today. I can let my Christian walk kind of uh, take it easy today. No, because you still have all the little eyes in your house watching you. And you're to be a witness to them first and foremost. So number one, we have been given a divine purpose. Number two, 
The believer has a divine purpose, but secondly, the believer has a divine power. That's really the the essence of verse number 8. They needed power to be able to fulfill this commission. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So number two, the believer not only has a divine purpose, but he has a divine power. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? First of all, the Holy Spirit enlightens us. Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to the book of John, John chapter number 16. The Spirit enlightens us. These apostles, as they're going to go out, they needed to be enlightened. They needed to be guided in the truth. By the way, many of these men are going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the very Word of God. And so what does the Holy Spirit do for us? He enlightens us. If I'm going to be a witness, as I said just a moment ago, we're very careful, very selective about those that we support and those who we give our money to uh, So, because we want to make sure that the witness is correct and proper. Biblical is the right word. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us, the Bible says, into all truth. John chapter number 16, let's begin in verse number 5. He says, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart... Actually, excuse me, am I in the right... Yeah, I'm in the right one. Uh, Verse 7. Will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he... The Spirit of truth is come. He will, what's the word there? Guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Number one... The Holy Spirit enlightens us. The believer has divine power. Now let me say this. The Holy Spirit enlightens us, but He enlightens us through His Word. Don't don't miss that. He enlightens us. He guides us into all truth. Now, the apostles didn't have all of the Word yet, did they? God was going to use them. They were going to be the human penman. He was going to inspire His Word and use them. They didn't have all of it yet, but we do. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. But what is truth? It's the Word of God. And so if I want to have power, if I want to have power to fulfill the commission that God has left me here to do, it's why He's left me here. It's why He's left all of us here. Okay, if I want to have the power, then I need to be in the Word. Well, the Holy Spirit is just going to enlighten me. And we sit and... hum. doesn't work that way, does it? No, it takes hard work. It takes study. It takes delving into the Word of God and studying the Word of God and then allowing the Holy Spirit. Because there are, there are passages that sometimes are pretty tough, aren't they? Okay, who's going who's to answer that for me? 
<laughs> the commentator. He's going to give me the answer. Okay, commentators are good and I like them. But who's the first person that's going to help us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that enlightens us. Because the Bible says there in verse number 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, after Jesus Christ has ascended, after He's gone back to heaven, the Comforter has come. The Spirit of truth, the Bible calls Him, is come. He will guide you into all truth. By the way, how is He going to guide us into all truth? Why or how? Because He's going to speak of who? Christ. That's what He says there in verse number 13. It says, For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. By the way, that, that's a good indication. If you're ever in a service and the entire service, all they ever speak about is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. You don't ever hear anything about Christ. That is not of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit speaks of Christ. The Holy Spirit points to Christ. And so first of all tonight, the Holy Spirit enlightens us into all truth. I have a divine purpose, okay? To fulfill that, I need divine power. Okay, I have it in the Holy Spirit. He enlightens me, but He does so in and through and with and in conjunction with the Word of God. The Scriptures and the Spirit working in tandem. So I need to study the Scriptures. First of all, the Holy Spirit enlightens us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit encourages us. We've already seen the Word here in John chapter number 16, the Word Comforter. But look at John chapter 14 with me if you would. Not only does the Holy Spirit enlighten us, He said, look... After I'm gone, Acts chapter 1-8, ye shall receive power. That's the same Holy Spirit that we have. Same Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, it says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that comes and indwells when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, those apostles... Yeah, I understand. They, 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 they had miracle-working power. They could do signs and wonders. The office of the apostle is no more. We know that tonight. But that doesn't do away with the fact that I still have the same Holy Spirit and I have the completed Word of God. And because of that, I have power to fulfill the purpose that God has given me. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit encourages us. John chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. He says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. Okay, who was the first comforter? Himself. He said, I'm going to send another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I'm not going to be here forever, Christ said. I'm going back to the Father. He said, but I'm going to give you a comforter who will abide forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come, excuse me, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sins, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. 
These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. He not only enlightens, but He encourages. Let me ask you tonight, did those apostles, did those church members in the book of Acts, did they need encouragement? Oh, yes. Oppression, persecution, they needed encouragement. And Jesus Christ told them, He said, look, He said, let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to send you a comforter. Don't, don't let it be troubled because I tell you that I'm going back, that I'm leaving, that I'm going to send back to the Father. Don't let that trouble you because I'm going to send you another comforter. And He's going to be right there with you. And He's going to help you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to be that source of comfort. So the Holy Spirit enlightens us. He guides us into all truth. But He also encourages us. And by the way, we, we, we talk about that many, many times, especially at funerals. We talk about the great comforter and the one who comes and comforts. But again, once again, just like we said just a moment ago, how does He comfort? He comforts with the Word. He takes us to passages. He brings passages to mind that comfort our hearts. Psalm 23 and many, Psalm 46. He brings passages to heart that, or to our mind that comfort our hearts during time of loss, during time of trial and tribulation. And so, yes, He encourages, but He encourages with the Word. Don't, don't listen. Don't miss that. The Spirit and the Scriptures work hand in hand. It's not, well, boy, I've got the Holy Spirit and I'm going through this hard time. And Oh, boy, the Holy Spirit, He's, he's, he's closer than a brother and he's better than, he's better than a friend. And, boy, He's going to comfort me. Yes, but He's going to do it with the Word. He's going to do it by helping us and taking us to passages and to Scriptures that, that are going to help us to walk through those dark valleys and walk through those hard times. Number one, the Holy Spirit enlightens us. Let me ask you, do you believe you have divine power tonight? You do, if you have the Holy Spirit. The problem is many times we just don't partake of it. He's there. It's just we haven't given Him all of ourselves. We've given a lot of ourselves to the flesh, a lot of ourselves to the world, and the Spirit's there like, oh, hey, look at all this power that you have. And we don't partake of it. The believer has a divine power. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. And the Holy Spirit encourages us. Those men were going to need it. Those men were going to need that divine power. And dear friend, we're not apostles today, but we still need that divine power as well. We need encouragement, don't we? We need the Word of God, whether it's the loss of a family member, whether it's at a funeral or, or, or during a bereavement time. Or, or just every day of the week. We need the encouragement that the Word of God gives us to walk through this life. He enlightens us. He encourages us. But take your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 5. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit enlarges us. 
He enlarges us. He enlightens us. He encourages us. And then thirdly, He enlarges us. Galatians chapter number 5. The believer has a divine purpose. That's why He left us here. That purpose is to be a witness. That purpose is to be a witness to the world. That the believer has a divine power. I can't do that. I can't be a witness. I, I have a hard time talking to strangers. By the way, and we'll see maybe, in a, maybe next week or very, very soon, it was the Holy Spirit that gave those apostles boldness to preach, was it not? Gave them boldness to preach. Well, I, I, boy, I knock on the door and, and when we're out door knocking, I, so maybe they won't hear it and come to the door. No, when you go to that door, you ought to knock hard. So they'll hear it, so they'll come. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us boldness. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 17, the Holy Spirit enlarges us. The Bible says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That's a pretty good list, isn't it? Not a good list, but a long list. Let's put it that way. He said, Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, He enlarges us. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not envies and murders. It's not idolatry. It's not witchcraft. It's not hatred. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Biblical love, by the way. Godly love. Not the kind of love that the world teaches us. By the way, what's the good definition of love? God. God is love. So since when someone says, well, that's not very loving, here's the question, does it line up with God? If it lines up with God, then it is loving. Now, if it doesn't, then you may not be very loving at the moment. That may be true. But God is love. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, strength under control, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit and if you live because of the Holy Spirit, if you're alive today, if you have been quickened, and if you have been quickened, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 5 tells us that. Okay, so if you've been quickened, if you've been made alive, if you've been born again, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says here, if we live in the Spirit, if we're alive because of the Spirit, then why aren't we walking in the Spirit? He said, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us walk in the Spirit. We have a divine purpose, but God didn't give us a divine purpose without also giving us divine power. And that divine power, it enlightens us. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, He guides us into all truth. He encourages us. He enlarges us. That's the power 
that we can tap into, that we can partake of, that many times we don't. He's there. He's, he's not going anywhere if you haven't. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. He's not going anywhere. But how much and how often do you allow Him to control your life? How often are you yielded to Him? Number one, we've been given. The believer has a divine purpose. The believer has a divine power. But look back at Acts chapter 1. Thirdly, tonight we'll end here. We have a divine power. We have a divine purpose. It's why He left us here. Let me say this. Thirdly, the believer has a divine period. P-E-R-I-O-D. The Bible says here in verse number 10, verse 9, really verses 9, 10, and 11, we have the ascension of Christ. Notice verse number 11. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. You know what the angel is telling these apostles? Hey, He's coming back. Why are you standing here gazing? You only have a short amount of time. So you better get busy. We have a divine period. We have a divine set of time that God has given us to work. And by the way, that period will either stop by either death or rapture. One of the two. I hope it's by the rapture. But it's either going to end by the death, by our death, by my death, or rapture. And when that happens, it's done. So I want to leave you with two things tonight as we think about the fact that It's why He left us here. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 90. Psalm chapter 90. And then we'll come back to the New Testament in just a moment. Let me give you two statements that we ought to do as believers. Number one, we ought to number our days. We ought to number our days. And then secondly, we'll go look at it in just a moment. We ought to redeem the time. We ought to number our days. We ought to redeem the time. Because He said, look, why why are you gazing? He's coming back. Now... Christ had told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came. And by the way, they waited uh, about 10 days. So they were to wait. They were to be patient until the Holy Spirit came. Because they didn't need to run into, this is another message, but they didn't need to run headlong into ministry without any power. Great, great message there as well. They didn't need to start immediately into ministry because they didn't have any power yet. They needed the Holy Ghost. They said, look, He's coming back. Psalm chapter number 90 Verse number 9. The prayer of Moses, the man of God, the title says of Psalm 90. Verse number 90 says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, eighty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And then verse 12. And because of all that, and I know we skipped some context there, but in verse number 12 he said so. Because, because of everything that, that he has said thus far, he said so. Teach us to number our days. We don't know if it's 70. We don't know if it's 80. We don't even know if it will be 70. We don't know in verse 11 he says, Who knoweth the power of thine anger? So, teach us to number our days. 
Okay, how, how are they supposed to do that? In numbering days, what should that result in? It should result in the latter part of verse 12, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Look, if I number my days, and if I know, look, my days are numbered, and I don't know how, I don't know what the number is. And so because of that, and because I don't know the number, then every day should count. And I should apply my heart every day unto what? Wisdom. I should apply my heart every day unto wisdom. Believers, as believers, we have been given a divine period. We don't know how many days it is. We don't know how much time it is. It could be 70, 80, it could be 90, it could be 100. But whatever it is, right now, today, tomorrow, if God gives us tomorrow, we're not promised that, James 4 says that, but we're to number our days. And when we number our days and we think about the fact I have a limited amount of time. I am to apply my heart to wisdom. So number one, we should number our days. It's why He left us here. We've been given a divine purpose. We've been given a divine power to be able to fulfill that purpose. But we've only been given a short amount of time to do it in. So we should make the most of every day. Number our days. Number two, take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Number 2, we should redeem the time. Ephesians chapter number 5. We were in this passage recently, not Ephesians 5, but I have you in Ephesians 5. We were in Romans 13 recently. I do want to read uh, some verses here. And then we'll be right in Ephesians 5. Romans 13 verse 11 says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, in drunkenness, not in chambering, in wantonness, not in strife and envying, but... Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm I'm not going to read the entirety, but he's verse number 1 and 2. He's speaking about the sweet-smelling savor. Drop down if you would. Talks about the fact that we're children of light now. We're not to live like children of darkness anymore. We're children of light, he tells us in verse number 8. But then in verse number 14, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly. Verse 15, or excuse me, verse 16, he says, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Anybody know tonight what that word redeem, what the idea of that word is? We know, we know redemption. What's that word redeem mean? Redeeming the time. Okay, buying. Making full use. Anything else? I'm sorry? 
To make good use of it? Absolutely. Here's, here's the idea. It means to rescue from loss. It means to rescue from loss or from being lost. By the way, that, that's what we think about when we think about redemption. We're bought out of the slave market of sin. We are rescued from being lost. We're bought back by the blood of Christ. And he says here in verse number 16, redeeming the time. You're not to walk as children of darkness anymore. You're children of light now. Walk circumspectly. Redeeming the time because the days are even... By the way, that word circumspectly, carefully, cautiously. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The believer has a divine period, death or rapture. We should number our days and we should redeem the time. Because we don't know how much we have. Last night I was up working at my desk. Friday we left and we took, uh, we drove over to take Paige back to school. and We spent the night, we dropped her off yesterday morning and drove back home yesterday. I was up working at my desk last night after we got home and Finished up working and studying, was ready for the day, and I did something I shouldn't have done because my desk is upstairs. It's up at the top of the, the landing of the stairs. And so when I was done, I was getting ready to go back downstairs, but I didn't go down immediately. I walked to the end of the hallway and I went to, went to Paige's room. And all of her furniture's there. Beautiful. But I went to her room and all the explosion that had been there during the summer was gone. See, y'all think Paige is, 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 is um, tidy. That's the word I was looking for, exactly. You think she's tidy. And most of the time she is, but when she came home this summer, she brought everything home. And it just, it kind of stayed there all summer. And she's away from everything. Her room's at the top, at the very back of the house, so nobody ever sees it anyway. But I walked in. It was clean, which I'm like, praise the Lord for that. But it was clean, but it's just her furniture. And boy, a flood of emotions hit my heart. And it wasn't because she was gone, per se, although that is part of it. And it wasn't because of all the wonderful things we did this summer. But immediately when I walked into that room, there were two things that hit my mind. Because there were two things that I had purposed in my heart before she came home for the summer that we were going to do more of this summer. And we did some of it. But you know how busyness gets, right? And we didn't get to do it as much as I had planned. And when I walked in that room, those were the first two things I thought of. I wish we had done that more. And by the way, we had a great summer. Great summer serving together and camp and VBS and all those things. Great summer. So thankful she got to come home this summer. But two things I thought of. And they were things that we didn't get to do as much of as I had wanted. You see, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe with all my heart, because the Bible says that Christ is going to wipe away all of our tears. I believe with all my heart when we stand at that judgment seat that what's going to pierce our hearts and the flood of emotions are all the things we didn't do.
that we knew that God wanted us to do and had given us the power to do and had given us the ability to do, but we didn't do them. I believe that's what's going to flood the emotions of our heart. Not what we did do, as wonderful as they may have been, but what we didn't do. It's why He left us here. We have a divine purpose. He's given us a divine power to be able to fulfill that purpose. And He's given us a divine period, we don't know how long that is, to be able to fulfill the purpose as well. And so, let's number our days. And let's redeem the time. Amen. Why stand ye gazing? He's coming back. No need to stand gazing for us. They, they had a little time to wait to get the Holy Spirit. But for us, no, no, no time to stand gazing. It's time to be busy. It's time to keep our hands to the plow. So that one of these days, hopefully, maybe, I, I don't know that there will be any person that can stand at the judgment seat without any regret. I don't know. I don't know, maybe the Apostle Paul, I don't know. I don't know how all that's going to work. I know what the Bible tells us, but I know in my own heart, just as I walked in that room last night, and there were things I wish we had done more of. I know in my own heart at this juncture in my life, there are things I wish I had done more of for the Lord Jesus Christ I haven't done. And I can't go back and get that time. I think that was the flood of emotion last night. The summer's over, at least with having her home. I, I, we, we, she, she's there until Christmas. She, we can't go back and do those things. We have to do them when we have opportunity. And when we stand at the judgment seat, at the Bema seat one day, we're not going to be able to go back and get those opportunities. They're gone. Number our days and redeem the time. Hands to the plow. That's why He left us here. Father, thank You for the time You've given us tonight. Father, I pray it's been an encouragement, maybe a little stirring tonight, maybe even to go home tonight and number our days and maybe even redeem the time tonight, rescue from being lost and never having opportunity to go back and get it. What a great commodity You give us in time. Father, help us to use it. Help us to invest it wisely. You've left us here. You've given us a great purpose, a serious purpose, a a weighty purpose. But Lord, you've given us power. Father, may we partake of that. Father, you've given us a period. We don't know how long that is, but for however long it is, let's help us, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to every single day number our days so that we'll apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to redeem the time, walk circumspectly, rescue it for lost. Lord, help us. I I don't know if anyone needs to make a decision tonight, but Lord, you surely do. And Lord, if your Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts tonight, may we move, may we make decisions tonight. And Father, help us to be genuine about them. Help us to be serious, understanding it's why you left us here. Father, help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you can, if you're physically able, if you'll stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Pam's at the piano. And she's going to play the invitation. Look, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you need to come. But I know the message tonight was for believers. And believer, if you need to come, come. If you need to bow, 
around one of these pews or around the platform. Maybe just need to kneel right where you're at. Maybe you'd take a step or two and maybe step out into the aisle, whether it's the middle or the side aisle. and Just make that place an altar and just kneel. And say, Lord, thank you for reminding me why you left me here. Giving me a divine purpose. You've given me divine power. Help me to partake of it. Help me to be enlightened and encouraged and enlarged. Help me to be yielded to the Spirit and, boy, just engaged in study of the Scriptures.